Welcome to the 2Fs Podcast with Gage and Mike. This is Gage, the philosopher. And this is Mike, the farmer. Welcome to our second official episode of the 2Fs, the philosopher and the farmer. Hope you enjoyed our last episode. So we're going to go ahead and kick it off with our quotes. Mike, let's hear your quote. My quote is by Thomas Jefferson one of the writers of the Declaration of Independence. If you want something you've never had, you must be willing to do something you've never done. And you know, I've, I've heard that same quote just rephrased differently by a lot of people like modern day. That just tells you it's a damn good quote. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, you go, and it, well, it speaks a lot of truth. If you want something bad enough you should do things that you know you've never had to do to get it yeah i mean what i don't maybe you'll know there's it goes along with that one quote of um if you keep if you make a mistake and you don't change anything you're going to keep making the same mistake you want something to change you got change yeah absolutely yeah i mean you go if you want a house you're gonna have to work harder you're gonna have to work more hours you're gonna have to do all kinds of things to get your house, and and that goes for anything. You want a car, whatever. I mean, and even tying into our topic of this week, which is going to be relationships. Um, if you're always having bad relationships, well, maybe you need to change something. Maybe maybe it's you. Maybe you're deliberately going after the wrong people for some known or unconscious reason reason. And you got to figure that out and make a change in that. Or maybe it's something you're doing or acting to where those are the type of guys you attract and no, or, no, or no blame, but that's or girls. Yeah. Or girls. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, so yeah, you, so if you want something to change, you got to change, you got to do something different. Mm-hmm. That's just mathematics, logic. I like it. Yeah. Uh, my quote is by Charles Bukowski. For all you literature lovers out there, he he is a wild one. He um he worked at the post office for a long time, but he was a drunk, and he wrote poetry. Well, we know how much you love the post office, Gage. Yeah, let's not talk about a bad experience what, two weeks ago at the post office. Anyway, here's this quote. And when nobody wakes you up in the morning, and when nobody waits for you at night, and when you can do whatever you want, what do you call it? Freedom or loneliness? Personally, I think that's a subjective answer. I like being alone, but I don't feel lonely. But you might have that desire to want company but that doesn't mean you're lonely it's just i i see it the same way like you you can uh you can put that in so many different ways it's really all in how you are it's at a personal level it's not you can't really give it a general answer right i think that's why i liked it so much (coughs) excuse me but i mean 
you you can look at it like I'm the same way. Like I don't mind being alone. You know, even if you know by the house by myself, it's not horrible. Yeah, I'm a social person. I like being around people. You know, but on the same hand, there's some days where being by myself is awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's a big difference between being alone and being lonely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, that's a good way of putting it. Because lonely is you're just... You, you're you not content being with just yourself and you have a strong desire for someone's, maybe sometimes anyone, just because you can't be with yourself in your own thoughts. Maybe you're boring. You can't entertain yourself. <laughs> It'd be anything. <laughs> well, it, it's like an old man once told me, you ain't got nobody to play with. You can always play with yourself. <laughs> I'm going to take that every way. <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, yeah, if there's anybody you can count on, it should be yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's never failed me before. Yeah, more ways than one. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Current events, I'm going to let you take this one up. Okay, so I didn't even know this was going on, but apparently there's two generals that are fighting in Sudan. Like, I guess, completely fucking their capital city up of the country. Well, like normal, there's a U.S. embassy in basically every capital city. Anywhere. Anywhere. (laughs) So, the U.S. is moving... Troops from Germany, their Air Force base there in Germany, to Djibouti, Africa, which is it's it's a country there. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't laugh. J- what was it called? Djibouti. Your booty. Yeah. I'm not laughing. I'm smiling. Freaking dumbass. <laughs> anyway, they uh, the capital city is called Khartoum. That's the best I can pronounce it. But they're they're preparing to evacuate the embassy is what they're doing. The U.S. Embassy. Try not to have a Benghazi 2.0 right. situation. Well, I guess on top of that, apparently there's like 19,000 U.S. citizens there in the country. That's a lot. Yeah. And that's what they're suspecting anyway, I guess they should say. It's not that it's not confirmed, but that's their rough estimate. But the only, I guess, the only major airports in that capital city, and it's been one of the heaviest areas that's been shelled. So planes have been destroyed. The runways all so fucked are up. They just stuck there for now, hoping for the best. Well, uh, they don't know. I don't know if they're trying to. I think they're trying to broker <clears throat> the U.S. and the different countries are trying to broker like a truce to be able to get people out. Hmm. which would be a good idea, but you know how that goes. Well, all I can say is whatever's going on, I hope the people that have nothing to do with it stay safe. And yeah. and that is the big problem with war. Most About everybody involved is innocent. Even the people fighting. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Normally the people fighting are innocent. It's the people that are sitting comfy in their house making decisions are the ones that, 
Yeah. Caused the problem to get go. But that's a whole nother. It is another topic because I really want to talk about that now, but I'll try and restrain myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, it made me think of that World War. We'll just talk about this one little thing, so it'll be quick. Yeah. Makes me think of that. You'll know the details. That World War II incident. I'd forget which two countries. I think it was Britain and Germany. But it was Christmas. They that's had a World truce. War it was World War One. It was a Christmas truce. Yeah. And they got together for like. A couple days or a week, both sides, and they're drinking together, playing cards. I mean, they're having a good time. And when the truce was up, it was time to fight again. It took, what, a week or longer for the leaders to get them to actually fight each other? Yeah, in certain, certain parts of the line, because that, uh, that was the Western Front. So, yeah, you were correct on the, the German and the British. But it was, uh, I think it was like around the Somme. I think, if I remember correctly, which I might be wrong. I don't have the stuff in front of me, but I, I think it was a psalm. But they, uh, yeah, there for like a day or two, they all went out there and they played soccer and they drank and sang Christmas carols and sh- shared gifts and whatever else with each other. And then uh, when they went, when they had to go back to their trenches, the officers on each side were the ones that were forcing them to shoot back at each other. Right. And now... The the cool thing about it is in some places, <clears throat> it took them a couple weeks to get back to shooting at each other. But they also uh, gave each other, like, signals. Like, hey, we're going to have to start shooting at you now. That way they could all be below the trench line. That way all oh, we're going to Trying sh- to make it fair. Well, not even well, make it fair. Fair and, like, we really don't want to, but yeah. we have to, so protect yourself. Yeah, it's like either we shoot at you guys or they're going to shoot us, you know, our own officers and stuff. So, like, if we give you a signal, just stay down. I mean, that just goes to show your everyday normal people, like, yeah, we fight, fist fight, this and that, but, like, actually full-out war, brutal. I've never been in war, but I couldn't imagine it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we, we're all more alike than we are different. You have different beliefs, different cultures, but we're all human at the end of the day. We're all human. And we don't really want to just kill each other because we're being told to by our countries. And the people that actually have the differences are the ones leading it all. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's and like going off what you said, you're uh, you're just a person. Like just because you, like you go back then, like the British and the French, okay, or not French, the German. Well, I guess you want to say the French, British, French, and the Germans for most of World War One, but they all, I mean. You had carpenters from each country. You had bakers from each country. You had all these people that shared the same trade. They did the same thing, just in a different country, spoke a different language. Yeah. They they didn't want to freaking be there. They wanted they, to go back to their families, carry on their life, yeah. have their own little dreams. Well, it's always the people that just want to live their life that always get fucked the worst by war. Like, like the movie The Patriot. Yeah, he just wanted to be left <laughs> the fuck alone, work on his farm. Or, you know, in case some people be at their bakery, be at their office job, some you know, whatever you want to do. Yeah. And there you're the one that gets drug into it. You know? So that that's the shitty part about it. Yeah. And that but also at the same time and I mean, this would be what you'd call ideal thinking, but what if neither of them sides like in that specific situation, hypothetically, what if the the British and the German armies 
they're just like, no, we're not doing it. And they went back into no man's land area or whatever, and they just sat together. And then the officers on both sides start shooting their own people. Well, the people shoot the officers. And then we're like, we're just going to sit here. We're not doing because it. Because there's always enough people that are just going to do what they're told. Yeah. So that that just be a real long, slow process of, uh, I, I, it's never going to happen. We need drama and conflict in the world. I don't, I don't think world peace is a real well, thing. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at it this way, I know, you know, not everybody goes with the Bible, but, you know, at one point there's only four people on earth and one of them decided to kill the other one. Cain and Abel. Yeah, and they were brothers on top yeah. of it. So yeah. you can almost say it, it is part of human nature. Yeah. But... No. Anyway, All right. A lot of that's for, we can, we'll do that on a different podcast. Thanks for that. sticking around for it. Um, now, it's time for uh, your current event. Yeah, it's not a very good one. Um, it's more of an update because in 2020, Oregon um, pretty much decriminalized all drugs. Oh, and you were, you were allowed a certain amount or whatever. If you had more, you just got a citation, like a speeding ticket. Yeah, it was like a Class C misdemeanor or something. something yeah, it was nothing. Didn't matter. So you could be on the street doing heroin and meth and whatever you can yeah, think of. Yeah, tweaking the fuck out. And, 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 and th- this is something I'd have to do more research on, but what I was thinking about when reading it, because apparently the situation is worse there now, drug-wise, on the streets and people living in little tent houses and doing drugs and all this stuff. So apparently, according to this article, which I didn't do any cross-reference, but um, apparently the situation's worse. But I've also heard about full countries where drugs were decriminalized, and over the years, there really is no drug problem. Well, So is that something that just takes time, or is it how it's being handled? Well, I guess my theory is this, okay? You weed them out? So, yeah, well, you got to think. We have, the United States has a lot harder drugs that come into it than most other countries. Like countries, in, countries in Europe don't have the huge cocaine problem. They don't have the huge methamphetamine problem. You know what I mean? Like most of their shit's pot. You know what I mean? And, and psychedelics, like yeah. acid and mushrooms. And those are really hard to actually ever kill you or be addicted to. Unless it's been mixed with something. Yeah, well, and plus in the United States you got fentanyl. You know that was the big one they're talking about. Yeah, but that's the you know therein lies the problem with that. You know we have a a huge bo- southern border with a country run by basically gangs. You know cartels, and uh, they just bring this shit across. You know they tunnel, they cross, they cross the wall, they you know smuggle it. However they get it in, they they just get it in. And, you know, and then people, well, you also have it. I didn't think, just always, some of it comes through Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, they go up to Canada and then they just drop it down from that way. I so, always heard the CIA were the biggest drug dealers in the world. No, I could, I could see There's that. There's a bunch of stories and everything to quote unquote back it up, whether it's true or not. I really. I care, but at the same time, I don't care because what the hell am I going to do about it? But yeah, it's just a random exactly. thought if somebody else was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, I don't know. I just I don't understand it because for me, like I've I've seen not I've personally, but not anybody I know. I've seen people that were like on meth, 
or mm-hmm. on heroin or this, that, and the other. And I'm like, why would you like if after you've seen that, you in my head, I'm like, why would you ever want to put that in your body? If right, you, when if you've you, seen the effects. Yeah, if you've seen the effects of even after just a couple of years of use, you're like, yeah, damn. Now, now to play devil's advocate. Yeah, which I, I hope you would, because I, I, I personally don't understand it. I mean, I can't say I do either, because I've never done that. But just thinking about it, playing devil's advocate, I could imagine growing up as a young child in a terrible household. Yeah. I mean, you were abused, you were put down all the time. And, you know, they say ages one through seven, your brain's like a sponge. That's when you're forming your beliefs your self-images, how you view yourself and others in the world. So if during those years and beyond, you were put down, you're abused, and now it's like it's programmed in you immediately that you're worthless, you have no meaning or purpose, you're not going anywhere in life, you have nothing to live for, nobody loves you. Well, that's something that's going to take a long time. Because that's not something you're like, well, that's not true, don't believe that. Well, it's like ever since you were born, it was programmed in your head because your brain's a sponge. It's not really a, a, that simple. So that's going to something that's going to take a long time to deprogram in yourself. And you might need some help. So what about somebody that's 14, 15 years old? They're still feeling this way because they're still in that household. So if anything, it's just being reinforced. And they're miserable. They're depressed. They feel worthless. They don't really care to live. And they have all this mental and emotional pain, never given an opportunity to go to therapy or get help. And their friends or buddies are like, here, try this. You know, it's meth. And they know, yeah, you know, this could kill you. But they honestly just don't care. They just want to get rid of the pain until they die. Okay, that that opens up a point of view that I never really thought about, you know. But I, I don't know. It's it's one of the things I probably never will fully understand. Just because, oh, yeah. just because, in, in a and hopefully you never will. No, you know, like, um, I don't know what it's like. Like you brought up in the last episode, what's it feel like when you're older and your parents get a divorce? I will never know what that feels like. Or how that would affect you. I could imagine it, but honestly, and I wouldn't know. Well, I tell you right now, I'm pretty confident it's a hell of a lot better than what it'd be like being on meth. No, it was just an analogy. Oh, I know, yeah. I know. I had I had to be a little bit of a. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can make a phone call right now. <laughs> yeah, oh God, I fucking hope not. Oh man. Okay. I hope you like our rambles. We enjoy them and full of random facts. We're both learning. Also, like, for real, email us, messages on Facebook. Give us your your opinion and and thoughts and Twitter. If you have Twitter, because apparently that one's not very popular anymore. (laughs) But, yeah, give, give us your opinion. And it don't even have to be super on topic. But, oh, you said this one statement and it gave me this thought thought you might find it interesting because more than likely we will so we we love the interaction keep it going oh absolutely so we uh 
today's we're kind of going to talk about relationships. I believe Gage mentioned that here a few minutes ago. And the reason we brought this up, you know, me and Gage are both in relationships. He's just getting started. Yeah, one. we're, we're, oh, here, yeah, hey, this is good. I was just talking about this the other day. You said just getting started. What's that mean? I actually brought this up with her last night. I said, I would consider us dating. Okay. But for, to some people, if you're saying you're dating, they're thinking official boyfriend, girlfriend. But to me, dating is you're going out on dates, you're hanging out, you're getting to know each other. Yeah, I'm dating this person. Now, now, see, I guess it depends on what you're, what you're going with because it, it. I guess it depends on the person because some people are more apt to be like, oh, we're just talking until it's like an official thing, which is talking is still going out and hanging out with each other mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And then dating is when you're like official, like you go up and be like, hey, you know, I want to be your boyfriend or I want to be your girlfriend. Right. That is dating. At least for well, because I know there's right. there's, there's, a there's bit of no an age gap. right or wrong answer, because I think both are right. It's how you look at it, so that's important to make that distinction with the person you're seeing. Oh, absolutely, I, I agree with you 100 percent there. I mean, it, it it's one of them things like, and it also has something to do like you are a, l- a little bit older than me, you know. So like when you're growing up, it might have been a little bit different. Yeah, it could story. be a social cultural change. Yeah, the cultural change because I know when with me, especially in high school, and even right out of high school, it was you know you're talking is you're hanging out, you're getting to know each other a little bit, and then as soon as you decide to be boyfriend and girlfriend, that's dating. Right, and and you know thinking back, like if I had a girlfriend, I'd say yeah, I'm dating someone, but also in a logical view. You're for going me, out on dates. If I'm going out with <laughs> on dates with somebody to get to know them, and the intention is to see if this will turn into, quote-unquote, legit date. You know, it, it's confusing. Maybe we need better terms. Maybe we can start we can, that. We could go old school. What's that? You're courting somebody. We're, we're currently in the courting phase. Is it, How am I doing, baby? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think I think courting was the old school way of actually like dating a married kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, and to me, if you're, yeah, yeah, you know, we're digging into it already. We don't need no introduction to this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, there, there's there's two types of people. I want to say there's two types of people. There's just two different ways that people do things, which is like. Um, some people just like to go on dates and then nothing serious, just hang out for a while and oh, yeah. whatever. But to me, you know, I'm going to go out on dates with somebody, get to know them. But my goal of getting to know them is to see if it will turn into something serious. Because if it turns into something serious, a commitment of boyfriend, girlfriend, mm-hmm. then that whole goal is marriage. Like, oh, absolutely. That, that's that's the whole process of this. But some people don't want that. They just want somebody around to hang out with, something casual, never serious. They, they just yeah, want they don't somebody want a commitment. There. They don't want a commitment. They want to be able to go and do whatever they want to do at any given point in time. You can be dating somebody and living with them and have kids with them. And if you're like, eh, I'm sick and tired of this, you just boogie on down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, you have no attachment. Where, where for me, 
I've always gone about it as like when I'm dating, I'm dating to marry. You know, I go looking for somebody that, okay, I could see like she's got aspects in her that I would like to have with me for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. That's what I don't look at it as like a short term thing. I every because which is the only reason I've been in only so few relationships. I've only had like, I guess, two real girlfriends in my whole life. And I'm currently with one. I've been with her for two and a half years. Yeah. Like my buddy, he only dated one girl in his life. Now they're married and have two kids. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, my grandparents, they're high school sweethearts. My, yeah. my, well, my mom's parents, they're high school sweethearts. And then, but not everything goes that way. Then you have my other, my other granny, who's my dad's mom. She was married and had a kid with her first husband, who was my technical grandpa through blood, I guess you want to call it, which is my dad's dad. And then she ended up splitting ways with him, got married with my step-grandpa, I guess you want to call it, who I consider my real grandpa. And they were just inseparable. So, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing, I would say, if it's the first time it don't work out. So, I mean, I don't want everybody to think uh, like, that's, I, that's I just don't want everybody to think like, Oh, they're telling stories about, you know, like, oh, they only tried a couple times and found... You know, it, it takes more than a couple times in most cases. I wasn't trying to be like... Well, and that's you know, that's also how you... I just wanted to show it from a different different point of view where it's like people don't think like... You know. Right. I mean, I mean, a, like I was always... I wouldn't say I was taught, but like I was given the impression, right, you know, not that it was... That it should be done, but given the impression that like it's good to date people because you learn you end up learning a lot you learn like for one on one side you learn what you like in somebody and what you don't so the next time you go to date a girl you're already narrowing it down because you already know what you like and don't like in this aspect and that just keeps getting a little bit more uh precise of you know you start to know that i do know what i want because i've been with this girl for three months this one for a year and these were things that really bothered me and i couldn't do so i know that the next girl i date this or that can't be in the equation but you also learn and grow a lot yourself because you know maybe you learn i'm too i argue too much or i have trouble apologizing or admitting that i'm wrong you know you do some self-reflection, you really do grow as a person, whether it's with a lot of different people or just one. If you're, if you're self, self-conscious is probably a bad word, but I mean, taken literally, that's what it means. But when, if you're aware and being conscious of the relationship of how things are being received to you and how you're, or how you're receiving things and things are being received from you, then you know, a lot of self-reflection can happen and a lot of growth can happen for not just the relationship, but you individually. Oh, a hundred percent. Cause we, you know, me and my relationship, you know, being together two and a half years, there, you have little disagreements on certain things, but the best thing you can do is to learn from it and move on. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta put in effort because if, one person's putting in too much effort. You know, the other person, you know, the person that's putting in too much effort is going to feel 
just kind of used, I guess would be the word. But, yeah, if you're not on the same page and you're putting in 70% of the effort, you know, you're not going to feel reciprocated. No. And, you know, that can be aggravating. I've, I've been in that situation. It's aggravating. It's frustrating. Yeah. You're like, we don't feel the same thing. And sometimes it's just because somebody needs to take things slower. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which that, that's part of the thing. The biggest thing that I would I think is communication is the biggest thing in a relationship. And I know that's kind of generic, but – I didn't fully understand it when I was before I had a true relationship like I have now. Because before, you know, I like I said, I talked to a couple girls and I dated one, and I never thought none of it. But you know, being in a relationship with somebody you love and care about for two and a half years now, it's you learn that like, yeah, you have to talk about stuff because mm-hmm. you know you got, no matter how long you guys are together, you ain't gonna read each other's mind. Uh, uh, yeah, like there, there's points where you'll know somebody well enough, you'll walk in the room and like something's, something's troubling them. But you don't know what it is. Right, you don't know. Like you, ask, you, you ask somebody, what do you want to eat? You mean it, like, hey, what do you want to eat? But um, yeah, communication. I always use the term open honesty, not just honesty. Because if I were to ask you something, you would be honest with me. Yeah, but open honesty, the way, you know, what I mean by it is if something's troubling you or something's on your mind and I don't realize it, you shouldn't just wait around for me to figure it out. Like, hey, tell me up front right away. Hey, I'm a little nervous about this or that upset me or this is stressing me out about us. You know, I want you to know I want to talk about this as opposed to just keeping it into yourself and then getting mad because they didn't realize it. Yeah, hundred percent. You, you want to be able to just straight out, come out and say, it. you don't want to hold it in or, or anything. You want to be like, Hey, I don't like that. You know, or, you know, I wish you, we could do this. Or, yeah, this makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think that's especially important. And in a way it's almost like a, um, I, I think of it like the old Mario Kart games or whatever, when you're racing and you hit those like speed things where it just shoots you across. Oh, it, it skips a whole long protracted process. Well, right. Especially at the very beginning of getting to know someone like mm-hmm. that is the prime time to be open and honest. Like tell them what you want Which, in the future, what you don't want. Now, Cause you might find out in two days, this ain't going to work as good, opposed to two months. The good thing with this though is too, is it not, it doesn't just work for like, you know, dating relationships, it works for friendship relationships mm. too. Any type of any, relationship. Any type of relationship. Your relationship with your parents, the relationship with your friends, relationship with your significant other. It it, it works, at least in my experience it has. Like, I've always been honest with my family. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I feel something, I tell them, you yeah. know. I mean, and, and nobody's going to like to hear it if it's something against them, but that's just basic human nature. And that's when Which, you'll cause, really because you can't tell me if somebody says something like you being honest with you, you're not, you're taken aback by it a little bit. But that's also how you, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's also how two things: one, you grow as an individual, is how to take criticism and how to respond to it. But also, if you're seeing, you know, you're dating someone or starting out, and you're open and honest with them about something that's bothering them, like you you find out pretty quick and you know you're going to be respectful obviously if you actually care about the person oh, you're yeah, going to be genuine yeah, yeah. you're not going to argue and 
whatever. You're just like, hey, I want to talk about this. This has been bothering me. I want to talk about it. Like, I don't want you to get mad or take it the wrong way, blah, blah, blah. But you'll really get to see right away how do they take disagreements and confrontation. Because if they don't handle it very well at all, I mean, like you said, we're human. We're going to you're in the best relationship ever. You're still going to have disagreements and arguments. Mm-hmm. And if that's handled in a very immature way, you're going to have a lot of unnecessary drama. And then that is a big thing. Like you, there has to be a maturity level that is on the same plane because when it varies, if it varies a little bit, it ain't too bad. It varies a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it's horrible. It sucks. Now I that, that's how it was my my first girlfriend, is she and which wasn't her fault. She was younger. She was at eighteen and I was twenty, twenty one. You know, so I mean, it wasn't like a huge age difference, but it was enough. And that younger age, that's enough. Like a lot yeah. of maturity happens in those ages. Absolutely, and then and then I can tell you honestly, when I from the time I turned eighteen to the time I turned twenty one, I I matured a lot. I really did. And yeah. it, it's just you know you learn from it. So, but, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, having that, but it just normally doesn't work out when you have a, mat- a huge maturity difference. Right. I mean, now there is the prospect of growth, you know, they might mature quick and it could work out. I'm just saying the possibility. Oh, absolutely. That's what I was going to bring up. The probability is not high for the most part because, because I don't think so anyway, because most people are very like. Stuck in their ways for the most part, and it, especially when you're young, because this is going from somebody that, you know, I'm 24 years old. <laughs> you know, it's not like I'm old, but sometimes I, I, you need hit in the face a lot yeah. to wake up to something. Yeah. I remember <laughs> how I was when I was 18 years old. You know, I was I wouldn't say I was your typical. Like I thought, I, I think I paid attention more than most, but I still had something about like, oh yeah, that whatever, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm sure we both still have a lot of that now and just don't know it yet. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's, you know, guys at work, you know, like you know, dumb fucking kids. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah yeah going going back to that of how like oh this is an end all because look how she responded. That I think there's a very important thing, and and almost this would almost almost be a better sign depending on how you look at it. But just sticking with this example of confrontation and they respond extremely immature. Um, Say that happens and then they come back later and they say, hey, I'm really sorry. Like, this is actually an issue of mine and it is not okay. I realize that. I really need to work on this. That is major. That's a huge thing. Like, then, yeah, oh, you know what? you know, keep it on the radar, but like, there's a lot of hope when somebody says, Hey, this is a problem of mine and I do need to work mm-hmm. on it. Cause yeah. like, I have one friend who is dating somebody who's actually way, way older than her. And he refused to ever be wrong, never apologized, mm-hmm. anything like that. And if you don't ever acknowledge that you're wrong, at times and apologize and then especially the biggest step want to work on it not just for yourself but for the betterment of the relationship and the other person i mean no change is 
ever going to happen. I mean, it's, it goes with that whole thing of you can't change something until you realize it's a problem. You have to admit it first. Oh, yeah. You're, if you're going to be sitting there and, oh, I'm, I'm never wrong. Like, you're just trying to do this or do that. And it's like, you, you have to admit when you're wrong. And that, that's the reality of the situation. That, that's with anything in life. And that, that goes along with the whole thing. With, it's not just dating, you know, significant other relationship. That's with friendships, with family. Because if, if you're sitting there and, like, say you're talking to your grandpa and you're talking to your grandpa about something that he knows way more about than you do. And you're sitting there like, no, I'm, you know, and he says, oh, it's this. And you say, no, it's that. And you argue and argue and argue with him. You're going to piss him off. Yeah. And then you have a man that loves you unconditionally, mad at you for something where you're in the wrong. And it's just, it's not worth it. Uh, you you got to keep, you always have to keep open the possibility that you are wrong, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, whether it's mm-hmm. studies and mathematics, a view on history, yep. religion, some type of philosophy, whatever and it is, you always have to keep open, I might be wrong. And do not let pride get in the way of that. Just because you're somebody that's like, oh, I'm no, I'm hardly ever wrong. I've, you know, I've always had the right don't let that get to your head right your dedication has to be to truth not to being right it's like my parents always told me like there's always somebody better out there you know there's always somebody smarter you know and and that's not saying even if right now you're just give up now (laughs) it's not a give up thing they're just saying you know it was more along the lines of you know you might be the smartest person right now smartest person in the world right now tomorrow you might not be no, that's not a bad thing. Go find the person smarter than you and learn from them and work together. You'll both grow. Well, and that, that was the whole the whole point of what they were getting at with when they told me that as a kid. Yeah. And so to tie this back to um, relationships before this turns into a three-hour podcast, we keep saying open a lot, you know, being open to being wrong and being open with the other person. I want to let, – let's bring up um, – Open relationships. Oh, gosh. Now, I guess we'll start with a basic definition is you're seeing someone, dating someone, as in, you know, you're getting to know each other, you're hanging out, you're doing all the daty things, but you're not... Yeah, you're not not restrained to that person. You can do that with as many other people as you'd like, and so can the other person, and, and that's good. You can, you know go do romantic things with other people, kiss other people, have sex with other people. But, you know, that person you're in an open relationship with is just kind of your quote-unquote home base. That is how I have always understood open relationships. That's the best way I've understood it, too. Because To me, it really makes no sense. Because how are you supposed to be in a relationship with somebody while you're going around messing around with other people? You know, to me, that kind of takes, for me, it would take the whole relationship portion out of it because you're, a relationship to me is, is between you and another person, not between you, another person and their other person and their other, you know, and I'm going to play devil's advocate. Okay. So that's based off of your definition of relationship. So what if somebody's like, say they have a significant other like you have 
and they feel all the same things they feel towards each other do. But their definition, or the way, the way they handle it, is they don't want to be restrained sexually. And so for both of them, it's okay to go do things. So to them, it's, it's just sex, no big deal. You can go bowling with your other buddies too. Why not sex? To them, sex is just sex, you know. Let's keep things spicy. But I love you, and I'm always going to be here to protect you. When you're at your lowest point, I'm going to be here for you. You know, sex is just sex, so have sex with whoever you want. Go bowl with whoever you want. But, like, we are each other's people. So to them, that the relationship isn't, sex isn't a big part. It's about the commitment of being there with each other, being there for each other, always having each other's back, never abandoning each other. Sex is just go bowling with your friends. To them, it don't mean anything. Well, to me, every time I've ever seen anything about open relationship, it seems like, I know this isn't exact numbers, but I'd say like 90% of the time, one person reaps all the rewards from it, and the other person's just kind of there. Because one's ugly? <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't, I'm I don't just even joking. know about all that. But I, say, like, 90, I would say 90% of the time, some. To me, I think when you have sex, you form a connection with a person. And that's how I feel. Because, you know, it's it's something special, really. But you, uh, and it shouldn't be wasted, in my opinion. So you have somebody. Exploited. Exploited, I guess. Yes, that would be the better word. But you have some people that will get in these situations, and they love their partner so much that they let it go to open relationship because it makes them happy. But in the end of the day, it makes them miserable because they're forming that special connection with them through sex and all, and just spending time together in general. You form a connection. So I mean, but, but sex is on a different level. You're you stand before each other naked, quite literally. Yeah, yeah. There's literally no, there's nothing to hide at that at that said point. Right. Metaphorically speaking, and, and literally, yes. But now I would say, not it's not it's kind of off topic, but it's not really the point. Um, the person that doesn't want to be in an open relationship, but allows it because they love the other person so much and want them to be happy, I think lacks integrity and a backbone to stand up for what you want and believe. You can still love that person and care for them, but you're like, I, I know I don't want this. I know I don't think this is right. Well, it's gonna hurt. But mm-hmm. you're going to have to be the one to put the foot down and draw the line and say, no, this is not equal. You don't clearly don't think or feel the same way about me. Mm-hmm. That hurts me. I wish it was otherwise, but it's done. Yeah, and, and I, I think it goes even as far as, like, if you're selling pictures of yourself on the Internet, you know, whether you're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. I mean, to me, even just that is disrespectful to your significant other. Yeah, especially if you're actually in a relationship. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and to me, it doesn't matter if you're doing it beforehand or you started it during the relationship. It doesn't matter. If you were doing it beforehand, you should stop. You know, you should inform your significant other of it and stop doing it. And this all revolves around the idea that sexual anything, anything sexual is 
meaningful and intimate, right? Yeah, it's because not- otherwise it wouldn't matter. And I think you're right. I'm going to get mm-hmm. away from playing devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. And I think if anyone is genuinely honest, when you have sex, say you've been dating someone, then you have sex. Both guys and women, if you're really honest, if there was ever anything there between you two to begin with, a bond and attachment, not really a ne- not, not attachment in a negative way, like I have to have you, but attachment in like a really strong bond and connective way. So not in a negative tone, but that just naturally happens. And you don't have to even give it answer a reason as to why you could get into a religious or spiritual reason you could get into evolution and biology to me it doesn't matter just the plain fact is it does happen and if it doesn't happen like if sex is just sex to you which i'm not i'm not judging but like in my opinion if sex is just sex to you and you sleep around and do all this a lot i'm very well convinced just thinking on my own and talking to people I know now that were like that when sex was just sex, nothing else. They were really struggling emotionally and with self identity and trauma. And they're just trying to fill a hole with pleasure and something. But at the end of the day, it made it worse because now like like we said, exploited themselves. They feel useless. They feel mm-hmm. used. And this isn't me just... I mean, this is what I have been told by several people talking about those things. So I'm I, I just very well convinced that you're right. Sex is an intimate thing. You build a bond and a connection. Yeah. I mean, like, my my grandma... And my granny and both, and they both come from a little bit different walk of life. They both have told me the same thing. You know, when when sex is special, they said when you have sex with somebody, you're giving a little piece of yourself away to that person. That's the best way they put it, and that to me makes a lot of sense. It's like you know, even just a little bit. You're just, each time it happens, you're giving just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that goes to. The idea of you do create this attachment and bond. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you are. Yeah, you're right. So that's that's the best way I've heard it put. And I, I think that's a genuine way of seeing it. Which, But like again, like what you said, I'm not judging anybody. If they they do whatever you want to do. I mean, that's... All right, if you're, you're just sleeping around and sex is sex to you, but you are genuinely happy and fulfilled, yeah. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you do you. Yeah, find somebody else that's the same way. We're just uh, putting how we feel about it. All right, we're the farmer and the philosopher here. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's not with animals. Well, you know, <laughs> that's a different podcast. <laughs> Anywho, we're all animals here. Anyway, okay, um, well, let's, uh, <laughs> let's mosey on past that one. Yeah, um, yeah. I think, and, and this this is something that's oh, you've you've you hear it a lot, and it doesn't matter. Like it comes from every walk of life, spiritual people, 
religious people, atheists, I mean, Democrat, Republican. You, you hear it from every walk of life that sex is better when it's a healthy relationship and you genuinely love each other. And I think that just immediately ties back to because there's a real bond and a real connection. Because sex isn't just physical. It's emotional. Yes. So that's what makes it better. Because your relationship and your bond is getting deeper and deeper and more trust and everything. And not even like, you don't necessarily have to have sex in a relationship either. Like we were talking about earlier. I mean, if, if you're... Significant other wants to be, you know, abstain from it until marriage or whatever. Because we do live in a small community, you know, mm-hmm. small Christian community. You know, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that, in, in my opinion. I mean, if you want to you be that way, awesome. Fine, be that way. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and that's just part of it. Because then, then you grow the connection, like, if, you're, if your relationship grows truly deep, you know, you did all without that. And then when you get married and, and you want to start a family, it just it takes it to a whole nother level. It's that it, much more meaningful. Yeah, it, it's almost like there's a, uh, I, I guess, like a boost or something as soon as you get married. Because then there's like something that spurs your relationship on even more. You know what I mean? Like you, you thought you knew each other and then you get married and you want to decide that you want to start trying to have a family or whatever. Just want to start doing it. You, you're going deeper into your relationship because you're already deep but just without it and then when you you go into that it's a whole whole nother level and you grow more as people but that you're growing as you're married at that point rather than dating yeah i had something i wanted to say right there and then i lost it yeah sorry i was finishing my beverage yeah, no, that's good. Uh, we might have to cut this part out. There's something I wanted to say, but I can't think of it now. It, like, went along with it. Well, no, I can't read your mind. Why not? You're supposed to. We're friends. Okay. What we just talked about earlier. Yeah, but I disagree now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we can... And I'm always right. No. Yeah. No. Now, this is a classic example of how a relationship... Ow, shouldn't it be? <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. I guess we could, we could lighten the mood. Now we've lightened the mood up a little bit. We can just move on to our joke. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, we can. There, there was... There was there, there, let me say one more thing. Because I, I, think, I think it's... Um, oh, do you finally fucking remember it now? No, actually, there's two more. I took little itty bitty notes. There's there there's two or three more things, real short, that I think is worth mentioning. Um, one of them is kind of funny, but I think everybody would be able to relate to it. We'll get we'll do that one last. But I think when dating in a relationship, a lot of times relationships fail is because you're not ready for one. I think before you get into a relationship, you need to be fulfilled and content alone. Because if you're looking to somebody else to make you happy and make you be fulfilled, 
it is always going to fail. You're giving that person an impossible task. That, that's what I was getting ready to say. You can't, if you're not happy with yourself, you're not going to find somebody that makes you happy because nobody knows you better than you. And if you can't do it, nobody else can either. Yeah. And that's not saying you have to be perfectly fulfilled and content in life, but like you have to be okay on your own. And that person should just add to your happiness, add to your fulfillment, and you share it. Yes. Not relying on somebody. I mean, that's a heavy load. I mean, everybody wants fulfillment and happiness. And for you to be the one responsible for that for somebody, that's just not right. It's, it's almost unethical. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, honestly, you know? it is, yes. I mean, that person can only do so much. Oh, yeah, they're only human. They can only do what they can do. Oh, I do remember what I was going to say now. You, you, you're <laughs> you're talking about, you know, if somebody wanted to abstain from sex until marriage or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think um, that you're absolutely right. And I'll, I'll, I'll just be honest here with myself. Um, if I'm dating somebody, or I mean, I am, I'm dating somebody, in case you're listening to this. I didn't forget you. Um, (laughs) um, and she said I don't want to have sex until marriage and gives me say say it's a religious reason why I don't know I'm just making that up but just say it's a religious reason as to why well I'm not religious in that way so I would naturally disagree with her reasons but that's not the point the point is you care about her you love her and whatever or her reasons or are, him. or yeah, because it goes both ways. Yes, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm just talking from my perspective. Oh, okay. I, last I checked, I'm still male, but I might change my mind later on. That's a different topic in podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help it. I'm gonna need a few more beers for this. One. <laughs> but the the point is, if you care about this person and you love them. It's not so much the re- I mean, you could talk about the reasons because maybe they're understanding something wrong. But if they're like, I don't want sex until marriage and you care and you love that person, then simply because you care about them and love them, you're going to respect their boundaries. Yes. And yeah. for me, it'd be hard. I'm not going to lie. It would be hard. But I'm going to try my damnest because this is what they want mm. and I'm going to respect that. No, oh, 100%. You're not going to... Just, oh, you know, if, if you would, honestly, in my opinion, if something like that, if you'd break up with somebody over that, that's kind of petty and selfish. Yeah. Really. Because there, there's a whole lot more to relationships than just sex. Yeah, that that's different. Saying I want to wait until marriage for sex is different than saying I never want to have sex in my life. You could break up with somebody over that. I well, mean, se- sex is important. It's enjoyable. We naturally want it. So if somebody was to say, even if we're married, we're not having sex. You know what? I wouldn't blame you for breaking I up. Think you're, I think you're from Mars or something. What? If somebody was like, yeah, even if we get married, you know, none of that, I'd be like, yeah, you've got to be from like Mars or. Oh, I thought you were saying I was. No. Uh, no. So I was like, you don't <laughs> agree with me? Come on now. <laughs> no, uh, I'd be like, somebody told me that, I'd be like, you're not even freaking human then. Yeah. You're like bacteria. You reproduce on your own. <laughs> yeah. There there's there there's there's two more two more things 
I think is worth bringing up. One of them might go in more depth, but it it ties into the respect thing. And if you're, and you got to look at it from the other person's perspective as well. But if you're in, say, this, we'll just call it the standard relationship where it's between you two and it's intimate and personal with the goal of commitment. You don't even got to say the word marriage. Some people are so put off by the word marriage. They're like, oh, that's a Christian thing. But for you people out there, then just commitment, all right? Yeah, you people that dis- disagree with that, no big deal. <laughs> but, you know, commitment. So if that's all personal and intimate, how would you f- – I mean, there, there are women who go out and they're half naked and they're single. You know what? Sure, that's one thing. But if you're in a relationship, a committed relationship – and you're going to parties and bars or out with your friends and you're half naked and your other person doesn't like it, that is understandable because you care about that person. It's, it has nothing to do with trust. Because I know a lot, a lot of people say, what, you don't trust me? Mm-hmm. And it's like it doesn't have anything to do with trust. It's that I know a lot of guys are going to be checking you out I know a lot of guys are going to be trying to hit you up and flirt with you and stuff. I trust you. I don't think anything will happen. But I don't want you to put out the message. And, yes, it is a message because it's drawing attention deliberately that these guys are going to try and hit on you. And and I I don't want that. Why not just avoid that whole thing? I mean, it's just it's just a matter of respect. You may as well post your number everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's like best best way I could put it, you know, for for like me, you know, people like I am, you know, go hunting and stuff. Turkey season's right around the corner, so I'm you, curious about where this analogy is going. So, so you know, what I mean, like you're out and about, you mm. know, you already know people are on the lookout. You know, there's always same people that are single, whether you're a man or a woman. If you're out there strutting your stuff, like a hen does to get a tom in, or a tom does to get a hen's attention, mm-hmm. it's the same same deal. If you're out there, you know, flaunting what you got, eventually, you know, you're gonna have a big tom come cruising up, all puffed up, fan all wide open, coming in to check mm-hmm. you out and see what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, it's and, natural. And it goes it goes both ways. If you're a man that's in a relationship and you're going out with your buddies and you're all clean cut and trimmed up, you know, look like you're going out and about looking for somebody. You're going to attract attention too. Mm-hmm. Now we're not saying you should be ugly in public. No, no. it's completely, I, I'm not there even, is a fine I'm, line. I'm not talking about looks. I'm talking about like just how you present yourself. Yeah. How you present yourself and act around others. It, it's just the fact like if you're acting single, People are going to think you're single. I mean, that's just how it works. And you can't, and like, if if I saw from afar, a girl I was, if I'm dating some girl and she's dressing this way, acting single with her friends, getting drunk, dancing around, and a guy approaches her, I'm not mad at the guy. Why? I mean, he's in the right mindset. He thinks you're single and he wants to get to know you. Mm-hmm. And not really placing blame or anything, but like, 
you you were a part of creating that situation. And it's just natural. Like, if you see an attractive woman who's half-naked, you're going to look. So don't be upset that people are looking at you because you're half-naked. Like, it's not, oh, it's just a body, get over it. It's like, no, it is ingrained in us humans, men and women, to check out the other sex or same sex, whatever. Whatever you're attracted to, naturally, you're going to look. So why would you make it even more difficult to, you know, for somebody to not look? And and because it creates that situation, I'm not saying it's your fault, but you played a part in helping create it. Yeah, I mean, I re- I really can't add anything to that. I mean, that's pretty well emphasizes the whole point of of that. Yeah, and I think a lot of the only thing I guess I could say is it takes two to tango. You know what I mean? You get yeah. It, it takes both parties. You know, one no, it's not just one party's fault. It's Everybody involves fault. Right. Yep. And, I mean, and this goes for guys and girls 100%. But I'm I'm very down with the belief that, you know, you'll hear both guys and girls, you know, I, I act this way or I dress this way because it makes me feel good. And I'm very much with the belief that, Acting that way and dressing that way doesn't make you feel good. The attention you get makes you feel good. And the reason you're desiring the attention is because there's something from the past or present, a trauma, an insecurity, something that to where that attention is uh, reassuring and verifying to you. And that is what makes you feel good. So you really need to think about why do I desire this attention? Because really, if you're happy and content and fulfilled on your own, you don't give a damn what other people think. Yeah, it feels good to dress up. I love dressing up. I know you don't really a whole I lot. I fucking hate dressing up. I, I love getting in a suit, dressing up, going out. It does. Like, it just feels good in and of itself. But no, I don't well, care what other people I, I guess, think. I guess more along the lines of for me, I wouldn't say I hate dressing up. I hate what most people's definition of dressing up is. Like for me, if you know, I get I get my hair cut, trim my beard up, mm-hmm. you know, and I take me a good shower, you know, get cleaned up, put on a brand new flannel, you know, brand new pair of jeans, clean boots, you know, something like that, just where I look, you know, just clean and snazzy. Yeah, you know, I don't mind doing that every once in a while. It feels it's like taking a shower. It feels good to be clean. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Because I mean. And for for me, from where I'm looking at it as, is, you know when you're dressed up in clothes like that, you're going out clothes? You're not getting dirty that day. You know what I mean? Right. You know you're not going to go out, and you're going to, well, for the most part, unless your truck breaks down or whatever, then you might get (laughs) dirty. But other than that. It happens. I mean, you're going out, you're going to have a good time with your old lady or your, your man or your significant other in general. And, you know, you're just cleaning up and out to have a good time and normally i would say when you're cleaned up and ready to go it's always ends up being a good night for the most part mm-hmm. so it's something i think there's something to do with being dressed nicely and having a good time but to me dress nicely is like it's not so much like exposing a lot it's like wearing nicer things 
And you know, think thinking about it more, going off of what you're just talking about. Like if I was in a relationship dating and I genuinely cared about them, loved them, had the attraction towards them, you know, if I'm dressing up nice, it's for them. And like, it's for them. And I want to make them feel good. And if I'm dressed up and they're like, oh, well, man, you look good. You know, I feel good because they like it. And you, I think the most important thing in a relationship, and this is something we, anybody in the whole world, even a saint needs, I mean, it's a constant struggle, is selflessness. It's like you could almost summarize that love is self-sacrifice. You're, like you said, what your grandma said, you know, every time you have sex, you're giving a part of yourself away. Mm -hmm. And I think just in general, when you love someone, the purest way to express that is self-sacrifice, even in the simplest terms. You're on your way home from work. You drove past Kroger. She calls you. Hey, I need this at the grocery store. And you're like, I just want to go home and sit down. But you know what? You go do it. Yeah. Even though you don't want to. Like, love isn't really... Like, there's feelings and emotions that come with love. But really, love is a verb. It's it's action. Yeah. And self-sacrifice is the purest form. Like... She wants to go do this this weekend, and you know she loves it, and you hate it. But you know what? You're going to go do it. Yeah. You're going to go do it. You are. Just because you love and care about them. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that's part of it. And that's whether it's your, you know, it's your mom, your dad, your significant other, your grandma, your grandpa, whoever. Yeah. You know, they ask for, you know, because nine times out of ten, when it's something like that, it's nothing really major. It's just something you just like, you know, I got other things I want to do. But it's like, you know what? But it is a struggle nonetheless. It, it is. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, it's a minor struggle. Yeah, but it still it's is still, in yeah. that moment. You know, yeah, like for me, though, the way I always look at it, nothing to me for love is really a struggle. I always try and spin it around and look at it as like, you know what? I know if I was in their position, they would do the same thing for me. Yeah, ideally. And and it, an important thing to keep in mind is they're not every time. And you're not every time. There's going to be times where, whether it's because you're tired, you're stressed, whatever the reason, there's going to be times where you do the opposite of love. You are selfish. You lose control, whatever. I mean, you have to know we're human. Taking it from, say, a Christian standpoint, we live in a fallen world and we're a part of it. Yeah, I mean we we are human, like you said, we are human. We're not perfect. We're gonna make mistakes. That's also how you grow. I mean, you can't get stronger without lifting weights and hurting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, through strength you get you grow. Yeah. Or, well, not through strength, through pain you you grow. You get stronger. Pain is weakness leaving the body, man. That's what the Marine Corps says. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Oh, fuck. So take this on a on a on a uh, a um, lighter note here. I got one more thing, and we're gonna go into our jokes. And and this is really something I would love to have feedback on. 
I want to see how many other people know this to be true. I know it to be true. And I want to say anybody that's been in a genuine, loving relationship where they they like they fell in love, they love this person. <clears throat> to give an example, let's say you you meet somebody for the first time, whether you just randomly met them or it was a setup, whatever. And on the attractive scale, because you you can't pretend looks don't matter. You're just lying to yourself. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I think this painting's beautiful and that one's ugly. It's just natural. You can't help what you find beautiful and what you don't. That's off topic. But you see someone and you're like, you know, I think they're like a 6 out of 10. Okay. And then the days and weeks and months go by and you fall in love. And without even realizing it, they're a 10 out of 10. Like the more you have a bond and a connection and something intimate on a emotional, physical, spiritual connect, spiritual way, like they physically become more attractive to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would agree with that. Because, like, the way I look at some of the some of the people I've seen that, you know, you think are like, damn, you know, they're good looking. Yeah, it goes the opposite way, and too. And as soon as they talk, it's like, wow. Like, I wouldn't, you know, be with you for a million dollars a year. Like, it yep. just it wouldn't happen. Yeah, it goes both ways. Like, personality and that uh, just yeah. that connection. Yeah, you, yeah, 10 out of 10, and you hang out for a while, and you're like, I don't even want to look at you anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I think maybe part of that, you know, at least taking it from the one side, you know, 6 out of 10 to a 10, I think part of it is because those things that you thought were unattractive, whatever it is, something so simple as hair color, height, size, whatever, you start that intimate, deep connection. Those things that you once thought unattractive just really don't even matter anymore. You don't even you don't notice them because they really just start to not matter. They're not the important things anymore. Looks are important, you know, initially when you first see someone because that's literally the first thing you see. <laughs> but when you get that deep, intimate, personal connection and you start to fall in love, well, like all that other stuff is just like, yeah, whatever. Like, there's something deeper going on here. Yeah, and, and sometimes you also have the aspect where you met somebody and you never really knew the, I would say you didn't know the looks, but like, you know, you talked for a while before you met in person, you know, and you got to know each other, I guess, emotionally and mentally before you knew them physically, I guess would be the best way I could think of it. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to know how they are, you know, like what they think, how they feel. But you didn't get to meet them physically, get to see their appearance, you know, in person. You got to see them, like, pictures or whatever, but, Mm -hmm. you know. Photoshop. And then, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's a real possibility nowadays, but, you know, you you meet, because there's a lot of things come into consideration. Like, you don't don't know how tall somebody is. They can tell you how tall they are, but you don't understand it until you're there, you know. And you go, and you meet up with somebody, and everything goes great. And you already got an attachment based on personality. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it really can go both ways, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Absolutely. So, I mean, you can have, an, like I said, you can have an attachment with somebody from their personality-wise before you even know what they look like. Yeah. And then, you know, then you're not you're not worried about it. Because as, lo- as long as you don't, as long as you're not a dick, I guess, would be the, the thing. Like, if you're a judgmental asshole and you're like, oh, well, you're not this, you know, you're not, you know, if you're looking at it from a, a woman's point of view or a man's point of view, however you want to look at it from, you know, like if you're looking from a man's point of view, oh, if you're not a, like a five foot two blonde, you know, whatever. Yeah. If you're not six two and ripped. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or yeah, the dad bod as like, apparently is a thing now. Yeah. Which, however you want to go about it, you know, or you're a brunette or you're this, you're, you know, just ignorant shit like that. Like, in the end of the day, to, to me, it personally doesn't matter. And I think that proves a point, which you can get really deep into as a why, but we're not on this episode. Yeah, I think say, it, we're, we're already yeah. we're already this is going to be a long one, yeah. And gentlemen, so. But I think um, I think that proves a point that the Epicureans were wrong. That the what pl- Epicureans? That's that um, pleasure is the ultimate good. No, there's something deeper an emotional connection, relationship, that intimacy and that bond out-trumps physicalness and visual things far beyond, well far beyond. Like there's something deep and more meaningful and valuable there than just looks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just... It'll go as deep as you go with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and part of that is how open are you with yourself? Yeah. How yeah. honest are you with yourself? If you're not open with yourself, and there really, there really is no point in going any further at that point. And it's a risk. It is scary to be open and to be honest, open honesty, to be vulnerable. But you can't have anything deep and personal without being vulnerable. Yeah. And I, I'll be the first to admit that's scary. But how you got to take risks. That's the only way you get something good. Yeah, like my quote today. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> to take it full circle. Take it full circle. <laughs> to go back to where we started today. <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, all right, let's go, let's go to our jokes. Yeah, let's, let's get this episode wound up. You, you want, want me to go? Go ahead. All right, well... Yeah, I'll go because it very well ties into the topic of relationships. But this was a meme I saw. So just to give you the image, it's a woman uh, digging up bones. And it said I'm something. digging up bones. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, to little, skip to our song. Yeah, a little no. Randy Travis for you. But so she's there. She's digging up bones. She's an archaeologist. And, and it's just a meme. There's nothing statistically true about this, I don't think. But it said, the reason that most archaeologists are women is because of their natural ability to dig up the past. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. I'm not saying it's true, but it's funny. <laughs> you me in the doghouse after this. But, you know, maybe it's funny because there's a hint of truth in it. <laughs> I'm just saying. I could have left that out. I'm just saying. 
You're going to be in the doghouse now, especially if she hears us. No. I'm sure you'll accept it, though. And it'd be a good opportunity to figure out how I handle confrontation and conflict and am I willing to be wrong. Because <laughs> you're wrong more than, not, more than you are right because I'm always right. Can you prove it? Yeah, I'm right right now. <laughs> and speaking of right. All right, let's hear it. That falls into my joke. Said, so, you know, two wrongs don't make a right, but two rights did make an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> oh, hey, if you got better jokes, send them in. <laughs> yeah, please. We're we're kind of struggling on the jokes. <laughs> Joke side of things here the past couple episodes. Here's my song recommendation to wrap things up. And, of course, I don't know why everything has to be themed for me today. (laughs) But it's uh, Led Zeppelin, All of My Love. All of my love. It's like a happy song. And it's almost reggae, but, like, I don't know. It's just an uplifting song that yeah, I would probably love. just piss like sixty percent of Zeppelin fans off. Hey, if they're honest, it's, it's like reggae. It has a reggae <laughs> feel. It does absolutely. That's part of what I what I love about Led Zeppelin is their musical style can go anywhere. But yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. It really does. Yeah, all of my love, Led Zeppelin. And then mine is going to be. I actually got the suggestion from my mother. Hmm. She gave it to me a couple days ago and uh it's you've got to stand for something by aaron tippen which tends to go with basically the whole theme of the podcast Hmm. because you know you stand by what you believe in like your first quote in the first episode yep Hmm. yeah Yeah, but also be open to changing yeah don't don't assume you're right all the time well you ain't the whole like the whole song talks about, you know, you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Yep. It doesn't say whatever you pick the first time is what you're going to stand. Yeah, for. Exactly, exactly. It just says you've got to stand for something. And I think that I think I think my biggest thing that I'd ever want to tell people is, what are you dedicated to? Are you dedicated to the truth, or are you dedicated to being right? Because sometimes the truth hurts and it ain't pleasant, but it's fulfilling because at least it's the truth. And I'm not sure where that goes philosophically of why truth has such a importance, but for whatever reason, don't really even care why, it does. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, go listen to more country music. It's better for you. Rock and roll, baby. Rock and roll. (laughs) All right. Well, you all take care, and we'll uh, catch you on the next one. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Share us around, and um, see you next week, fellas. And ladies. Yeah, what's the ladies' opposite? What's the opposite of fellas? Fellettes. Is it? I don't know. You just made that up. That's what I'm going with. All right. Thank you for listening, fellas and fellettes. It's much appreciated. Hit us up. Share us around criticize us. We love it all.